it's that time again. Time again for the Cowboy Roundtable. I'm your host, Jeff Fry. Today we got Ian McMacken, Doug Friesen, and Tracy Ringlesby, Cowboy Extraordinaire, on the show. Welcome, gentlemen. That was the uh, studio audience. Uh, welcome, gentlemen. Uh, how you doing, Ian? I'm doing well. I've been spending a lot of time this week just reading Doug's post, uh, Wild Crazy's post on the bowl setup, eligibility, all that fun stuff. So it's great to be still alive for a bowl game um, last week of the season. So. And Doug, you're down there in Phoenix uh, soaking up the sun while the rest of us are freezing our butts off. Uh, don't gloat, please. Oh yes, and and talking about freezing your butts off, I was I was at a anniversary party at a table out by a pool, watching on my little iPhone the snow game in Laramie. And at first, I wanted to turn the thing off, and then I says, "Okay, I'll just watch one more play, just one more play." And then I just kept watching it all the way to the end. It's like <laughs> this table was all immersed in a conversation. I'm like, "Yes, we won!" <laughs> so it is a blast, but. It'd been fun to be there in person and have all those cold toes and nose and fingers. <laughs> well, Tracy lives there in the Cheyenne area, and uh, you went to the game, obviously, because you always go to the game. Uh, how you doing, Tracy? You know, I didn't think it was that bad, Doug. The wind wasn't blowing. Yeah, there you go. The wind doesn't blow, then that, I think it's That's a always day. a plus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you can stand up in Laramie, then it's not, you know, it's, it's perfect weather. Uh, I tell you. So, and it uh, got better as the game went on. Oh, yeah. I tell you, I yeah. I watched it, uh, uh, streamed it from ESPN, and uh, I was getting kind of discouraged, but uh, Vanderwall and all those guys, uh, they really well, hung Let's in take there. a little I'm break really and um, take a listen to the play-by-play of the Air Force game. The Wyoming Cowboys advanced to within one game of bowl eligibility after they defeated the Air Force Falcons 35-27 in War Memorial Stadium on Saturday, November 17, 2018. The Cowboys opened the scoring on an 8-play, 75-yard drive capped by an 11-yard scoring pass from redshirt freshman quarterback Tyler Vanderwall to junior receiver Raib Mishmail with 11 minutes and 37 seconds remaining in the first quarter. Two receivers to the right side of the formation. Price is wide left, and Vanderwall wants to throw. Fires! This is caught. It's a touchdown, Cowboys. Ishmael with the catch. Freshman quarterback Sean Chambers had taken the Cowboys down to the Air Force 11-yard line when he had suffered a season-ending broken leg and was replaced by Vanderwall. The Falcons even the score to seven points apiece after a 75-yard eight-play drive which saw Air Force quarterback Hammond rush one yard for the score over the clock at seven minutes and 38 seconds remaining in the first quarter. Wyoming took the lead again on their subsequent drive, taking nine plays to cover 75 yards when Cowboy quarterback Vanderwall rushed for three yards and the score with four minutes and 45 seconds remaining in the first quarter. Vanderwall will empty the backfield. He's the only one back there in the shotgun. Now fakes the jet sweep. He's going to fall in right behind. Vanderwall to the goal line, and he's not quite in. They're going to mark him down. Boy, it's just about a foot outside the goal line. It'll bring up second and goal. I thought he backed his way in there, Kevin. It sure looked like it from here. There you go. Following the extra point, the Cowboys led the Falcons 14-7. Starting from their 25-yard line, Air Force drove 75 yards in 12 plays to tie the score 14-14 with 13 minutes and 41 seconds left in the first quarter. Air Force running back Cole Fagan ran four yards for the score. After the Cowboys went three and out on their next possession, the Falcons mounted a drive to the Wyoming 10 and stalled. 
Air Force settled for a field goal with one minute and 53 seconds remaining in the half, making the score Air Force 17, Wyoming 14. The Falcons scored seven unanswered points in the third quarter on a 36-yard scoring run by Hammond with 10-19 remaining in the third quarter, making the score after the extra point, Air Force 24, Wyoming 14. In the fourth quarter, the Falcons extended their lead to 27-14 on a 21-yard field goal at 8 minutes, 45 second mark. On their second drive, the Cowboys responded with a 52-yard drive to make the difference just 6 points, Air Force 27, Wyoming 21. The score was preceded by a 12-yard pass to junior wide receiver Austin Conway to the Air Force 15-yard line. It's Tyler Vanderwall. Five and a half minutes left, so the Cowboys throwing on virtually every down now. Vanderwall rolling right, looking downfield and fired, puts it right on the money. This is going to be caught by Conway. He's at the 15-yard line and should have enough for a Cowboy first down. Cowboys signal caller Vanderwall capped off the drive with a five-yard run for the score. In the shotgun, inside handoff. Nope, but Vanderwall's going to keep it, and he'll take it in. That's a touchdown, Cowboys. Wyoming's defense stopped the Falcons' next drive, giving the Cowboy offense the ball with two minutes and 55 seconds remaining in the game. With fourth and nine yards to go, Vanderwall hit redshirt freshman running back Xavier Valaday for a 12-yard drive, saving pass to the Air Force's 45-yard line. Price is wide right. Vanderwall has Valaday in the backfield with him. He'll take the snap out of the gun, steps up in the pocket, rolling right, looking downfield. Now puts on the brakes, back the other way, throws. He's got a man. This is going to be caught for a first down. It's Valaday out of the backfield. He got himself open, and Vanderwall found him. How about that? First down at the 45 of Air Force. With one minute and nine seconds remaining, Vanderwall hit Conway with a 22-yard pass and the score. Second and 10 from the 22 of Air Force. Out of the shotgun, Vanderwall takes the snap, looking over the middle, has time, plants, fires. This is caught. It's caught. It's a touchdown, Wyoming. After the extra point, the Cowboys retook the lead 28-27 to with one minute and nine seconds remaining in the game. On Air Force's next drive, Wyoming senior linebacker Logan Wilson intercepted a Hammond pass at the Air Force 30-yard line. Now back to throw. Hammond It's going to be picked off. This is intercepted by Wilson. Logan Wilson with the pick. He goes down at the 22-yard line, and the Cowboys have the football, and the Cowboys' dream is still alive. The Cowboys took just three plays to add an insurance score on a 27 run by Valaday with 45 seconds remaining in the game, making the score Wyoming 35, Air Force 27. Valaday in the backfield directly behind his quarterback on third and 14. Turn, give it to Valaday. He's got some room. He's in the open. Valaday, touchdown, Cowboys. Wyoming senior safety Andrew Wingard shut the door on the Falcons with an interception at the Wyoming 48-yard line with 23 seconds remaining in the game. Short drop. Again, Hammond to throw. Looks over the middle. This is going to be picked off. It's intercepted by Andrew Wingard. He overthrew his man Smith, and Wingard comes up with it. Wyoming play-by-play announcer Dave Walsh called the end of the game. Teams will come across the field, and Kevin, that's a big victory for the Cowboys. Amazing. Coming from behind and keeping their hopes alive for bowl eligibility. How about that win? Well, that was one of the sweeter ones, I would say, when they looked like they were out of this game for so long of the game. Boy, Vanderwall, got to hand it to him. Big, big win for the Cowboys. The final score, oh, the score, Wyoming 35, Air Force 27. The victory extended Wyoming's record to 5-6. and six. The Cowboys faced the New Mexico Lobos in Albuquerque, New Mexico next Saturday, November 24th. We want to thank the University of Wyoming and Learfield Sports for allowing us to use the play-by-play of the game.
This has been a production of Jackalope Ridge Media, LLC, All Rights Reserved. I'm your reporter, Jeff Fry. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. We're going to play Bowles' uh, press remarks. Uh, but I wanted to um, highlight that uh, our next opponent, uh, something, uh, uh, they sound something like this. Little uh, wolf's howling there. So, New Mexico Lobos coming up, the last game of the uh, regular season. Uh, had a great game against uh, Air Force. Uh, let's just go around the table here. Uh, Ian, what are you feeling about this upcoming game? Well, I feel uh, pretty good about it. I think the football team is really starting to get into a stride. Um, they're playing with confidence. Um, I just think the mentality of the team right now is very positive and and with all those seniors, uh, they want to go out very high, an opportunity for them to get to a third bowl game in three years. I think that's going to be a big deal. And I expect the Cowboys really come out and play well on Saturday. How about you, Doug? Uh, I kind of agree with Ian there. Um, you know, I, I, I love looking at the stats and stuff, and everything tilts our favor. You know, and you, you, you can't take away, of course, the human factor. Sometimes, you know, you just – don't execute as well. Well, that's what's going to happen to the Lobos, I'm afraid to say. You know, no, I'm glad to say, actually. <laughs> you know, because, um, you know, it, New Mexico has a rough time with pass defense. Their their rush defense is a little better, but it's still way beyond ours. And, uh, and yeah, you know, o- overall, our total offenses, you know, averages for the year are very similar, but very dissimilar on the defensive. So I, I'm going to... Uh, tip my hat towards the Pokes coming away with it and getting that sixth win. Well, Tracy, you were at uh, Bowles' press conference. He seemed um, pretty upbeat, uh, even though he gives the he gives uh, New Mexico a lot of respect. Well, you have to respect your opponent, otherwise you, you're going to wind up falling into a trap. But and I think he's pretty upbeat, and I think the players, particularly the uh, juniors and seniors, who uh, who made the trip to Albuquerque two years ago when the team went flat, played horrible. Uh, they found out they had clinched a uh, a berth in the Mountain West Conference Championship game on the flight down to Albuquerque. And it was like at that point, they just said, oh, you know, we're, we're just playing for fun tomorrow. And they went out in New Mexico, totally humiliated them. I think we saw last year when New Mexico came to uh, War Memorial Stadium, the, the attitude this team had towards playing the Lobos. And I think uh, we'll see it again this year. I don't think it's a personal thing. I just think it's more of respect for themselves. Well, they, um, uh, Bo mentioned that in the press conference. He talked about how uh, when he told them down there, they'd gotten to Albuquerque and uh, before the game, he told them that they had made the um, uh, championship game. And he said, it's kind of like the, the air just got let out of the room. He could almost feel it. So, uh, and none of the players disagreed with that during the session yesterday either, particularly Wingard. Um, he, he was very emphatic in Connor Kane. They said, you know what? We let ourselves down. Well, uh, I don't think they're going to do it this time. Uh, everything's on the line. So uh, I think it's going to be a, a, a really, uh, really good game. I tell you what, let's listen to, um, to uh, Coach Bull's opening remarks at his presser earlier this week. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, first of all, um, I'd like to state it's great to be playing meaningful games in November. Old wise football coach once told me they remember November and we're in the heart of November and uh, playing a, a, a meaningful football game this week. It was great. Uh, a little bit of recap on last week's game. Uh, it's a tremendous victory for our program. Uh, it's just because so many storylines and the long history that Wyoming has had uh, with the Air Force Academy has gone back years and years and years with countless number of memorable games. I, I've been texted by many of of our either fans or um, 
followers through the years, and that certainly was one of the more memorable Wyoming Air Force games. Uh, so it was an excellent win over a good program, a really good program, and we've got a great deal of respect uh, for Air Force, and the games have been competitive. Um, you know, it was uh, it was great to see our our uh, football team deal with adversity and overcome uh, adversity. Adversity. I also think that there's a bedrock uh, resolve within our football program uh, uh, to keep plugging along and winning and keep believing. And uh, that uh, bedrock belief, I think, is a credit to the men in that locker room and then also our assistant coaches because you don't go through the type of season that we've had with some adversity and uh, keep on moving forward. So uh, we need to build on that. Um, you know, uh, going into this uh, this next uh, game, uh, Sean Chambers will not be with us. You know, we were hopeful at the beginning that it wouldn't be something that would be surgical, but it will be surgical. So his season's over. It was uh, great to have him out there competing. Uh, he added a great deal of value uh, to our football team. And the status of uh, Nico, I'd say, would be day by day. Uh, we'll find out a little bit more as we go, but it's going to be day by day with Nico. Um, <clears throat> So uh, Tyler uh, Vanderwall really came in and played exceptionally well, and that's uh, and he and I had an extended conversation in my office about his role as a backup player. You never know when your number is going to be called, and you have to be prepared. And uh, he certainly was. So it was great to see him go out and make some plays, and he'll be the starter this next week. It was a typical Air Force game. It was a hard-fought physical game. Um, you know, we uh, we got a lot of guys that are going to be able to play against New Mexico, but I think that we're probably certainly more banged up or sore than what we normally have uh, had after games. Uh, the other thing was it was win number five, and that uh, that means a lot to our program. <clears throat> and uh, so it certainly was a rewarding win for us, uh, not only with uh, uh, beating uh, a front-range opponent, but playing in the snow. <clears throat> that was a classic type of game that uh, people that will always remember, and I certainly will as a Cowboys football coach. On to New Mexico, big, big challenge. Um, you know, I've known Bob Davey for many, many years when he was the defensive coordinator at Texas A&M, and a great deal of respect for Coach Davey's operated well as a head football coach, uh, coached against him when he was at Notre Dame and then at, at in New Mexico, and their teams are always well prepared. Coach Cosgrove is an excellent defensive coordinator as well. Uh, he and I both served at different times as defensive coordinator at the University of Nebraska, and their defense always plays well against us. They're aggressive. And so uh, we've got a great deal of respect for New Mexico. Going to Albuquerque will be a big challenge. It'll be another opportunity for our football team to play. Uh, a little bit about uh, New Mexico. First of all, I'd say they're very explosive on offense. Uh, they've got excellent skill players. Uh, their offensive uh, sets uh, lend themselves to explosive plays, and they have the skilled players to do it. They are rotating quarterbacks right now, and that poses a challenge in itself. Uh, but there's a lot of big plays that occur out there. They've got a, a big athletic offensive line that you know, always seems to be on point. Uh, they operate out of a 3-4 defense, uh, which you know, through the years has given us problems. Uh, they're an attacking, stinging-type defense, and it's going to require us to come up with big plays uh, for us to put points on the board. We're going to need to have some big plays. They're special teams. They've got the number one punt return unit in the country, uh, spearheaded by Marcus Hayes. Uh, he's a, a great punt returner, and he's averaging close to 19 yards a return, so they can uh, flip the field over. So, you know, their, their record I don't think is any way close to the indication of the type of football team. They have been hot and cold. Uh, we're going to assume that they're going to play really hot against us. They always seem to, and so we'll need to be prepared as we get on the plane to go down to uh, Albuquerque on Friday. I had uh, breakfast with a lot of our players today. There is an energized uh, football team. Our guys are really excited. They are drained. It was a hard-fought game, but the attitude and the mentality of this team is really running at a high pace right now, which is encouraging because of all the ups and downs we've had this season. That was Coach Bowl at his uh, Monday press conference. Uh, as I had mentioned before, Tracy, you were there. Um, any other impressions that you got from the press conference? No, just basically that uh, that's very businesslike right now. 
and that the players are, uh, are looking forward to uh, to the opportunity that's coming up this weekend to at least get themselves bowl eligible. What happens after that, nobody really controls in Laramie. Have to see what happens with the selection committee and if, if uh, some other conferences maybe come up short a player or two. But you know, I think the big thing was uh, there was a lot of uh, satisfaction on various people's part over uh, seeing Tyler Vanderwall come off the bench and play the way he did. Uh, a lot of respect for the fact that uh, it's pretty apparent by that that he didn't just go into a shell and feel sorry for himself when the uh, when the change was made. That uh, that he still t- took things serious, and you know it was uh, there was a kind of an indication of that the CSU game, which was the first game that that Sean started, and after the game was over, when all the players were on the field celebrating, the guy that went up and gave a big bear hug to Sean was uh, was Vanderwall, and it was a sincere hug, and he said. Uh, I asked him about it on uh, on Monday, and he said, "You know what? We won. That's what's important." And he was the guy that got us to the victory. Um, I think Coach Bowles right that uh, this is a guy that uh, that embraced the attitude that they that they have at Wyoming. They don't have an attitude of me; they have an attitude of us, and that's that's the people that are going to stay, and that's the type of guys they work hard to recruit. That's why they wind up with a with a kid that had no uh, no other Division One offers name of uh, Wingard, who Colorado State University would not even allow to come on campus for a visit, mm. even though their recruiting coordinator had requested it. Um, you know, they, they take these guys, they look for the guy that's going to be tough enough and have a chip on his shoulder. Not a bad chip, but the type of chip that uh, I want to prove people wrong and I want to prove it for the University of Wyoming. As, as uh, Wingard said, we, we want players that want to play for Wyoming who and, and they want to win for Wyoming, not for themselves. Yeah, that's that's a brand that uh, Bowl has brought. And, you know, we've been hearing a lot of chippiness and complaints. Uh, you've read a lot of complaints on the board. But, uh, uh, you know, this this season notwithstanding, because it's, a, it, it's not as good as it was before, uh, the year before, uh, I think they're really on track. Uh, Doug, you were mentioning something about a trend with the uh, Cowboys. Well, yeah, uh, um, to take a little bit too off of what uh, Tracy commented on with um, Bull and the type of recruiting and getting um, kids in the program that are committed and want to stay and, you know, have a goal. Um, you know, the, the last three coaches that we've had in, um, here at Wyoming, Joe Glenn, Dave Christensen, Craig Bull, uh, I, I went back and I looked at how did they perform in the conference the last three years of their tenure? Joe Glenn was 0.333. Christensen was 0.478. Bull, depending on what happens with the New Mexico game, he loses it, 0.583. Wins it, 0.625. He's going along at a 0.609 clip right now. You know, what all does that mean? Well, each one of these guys, Glenn, when he left the program, what we have, I, I think I can help me out here. Something We had something like 65 scholarship players on the roster. Same thing when Christensen left, 65 players on the roster. We're hurting this. As soon as we had one or two get, guy, key guys get hurt, we had nothing to come in. Bull, you see a difference. We have some, some issues that have gone people being hurt still found a way to be successful would we have liked to have won eight or more games this year yeah you could go to a six and six and gain at least that level of eligibility to be considered for postseason play and that hasn't happened here since 1999 is when it ended and we've had a uh, what i was looking up the way the trends go is is bull has the program trending upwards Say for the record now, I'm not going to predict next year's totals or whatever, but there's a lot of good players coming back next year. We're not going to be at this pinnacle where now we're at a point now where it's more like reloading. All right. Well, we got Doug back on the phone there. Uh, Doug, I'm sorry your um, I'm sorry your connection cut out on you. Uh, you had been discussing um, the prospects of the team, and I just thought that we would move on to. Uh, that uh, thing that's been the the 800-pound gorilla that's been sitting in the room, and that's about if Wyoming wins, do they get to a bowl game? And you've been doing some analysis, I understand. 
Well, I'll do the best I can. I'm not an expert. You know, I always love looking at the um, college prognosticators, all the different ones, and they suggest we'll be, and of course, you know, Wyoming fell off the map long ago, it, it seems like, and well, now Wyoming's back on at least that bubble map, you know, uh, usually when you hear a, a bubble, you think of the NCAA bubble. Well, this is football's equivalent of that NCAA bubble, and um, and what you have to start out with is, uh, on the Mountain West page, uh, under um, about, you'll see Mount West Bowl synopsis. And um, how it starts out is the Mountain West, unless there's a Mountain West team that's ranked in the highest of the group of five, you know, um, you know, if, if that was the case, we'd have the opportunity to be guaranteed a slot in the New Year's Bowl. But it's unlikely to happen. Uh, it's not impossible because, you know, Central Florida could fall off the map. But it's kind of where, where they're ranked and where the Mountain Best Mountain West teams are ranked. Um, it's unlikely to overcome. So let's focus on what the Mountain West does guarantee. The Mountain West does guarantee five bowls. Okay. The first pick is the Las Vegas Bowl. Now, what people don't realize is the second pick after the Las Vegas Bowl, if the slot is open from the Big 12 or the Pac-12, is the Cheez-It Bowl in um, Phoenix. For those of you not familiar with the Cheez-It Bowl, it used to be called the Cactus Bowl. Anyway, if a slot is open from the Big 12, because the Pac-12 can have their bowl allotment covered. Um, the Big 12 is a key here. Where the Big 12 is at is they currently have, um, I believe that they're uh, uh, um, right at the number right now, minus one. They're <laughs> going to get, um, um, or no, they have five eligible with four teams at five and six. The thing is, is that, um, um, one of the teams that, that's sitting at five and six will not get in. So there is still the possibility that um, the, Pac or the Big 12 could get eight total teams eligible. But um, with the five that they currently have available now, TCU or Texas Tech and Baylor play each other. They're both five and six. One of those teams is guaranteed to be in. So that will be six eligible Big 12 teams. TCU and Kansas State um, play uh, TCU host Oklahoma State. Kansas State travels to Iowa State. If, by some good fortune for the Mountain West, TCU and Kansas State both lose, the Big 12 will be short one team of filling all their bowl slots. Does that turn into play for the Cheez-It Bowl? Um, well, we'll kind of have to see how that works out. The rest of the, then after the Cheez-It Bowl, if that comes into play, um, then the remaining bowls will select the Mountain West team. And um, um, they can um, select any team within the conference that's eligible. It's just you have to take teams that are above 500 first versus teams that are 500. Um, there's no more of that 1996 Joe Tillard type uh, runner-up in the conference championship game going 10-2 and two and sitting at home anymore. That just doesn't, that, with the current rules, that doesn't work. What, where it gets interesting is when you get down to the, the fifth spot, spot, the Arizona Bowl, um, they get the choice of next available team, but... If a slot is open from the Big Ten or the Pac-12, which in this case we're going to talk Big Ten, the Mountain West will be the primary backup in the Red Box Bowl, which was known formerly as like, like the Kraft Cheese Bowl or whatever in San Francisco. Um, um, what's going to, what would take place there, and we'll have to see how those games play out, is you have... Um, Four teams 
in the Big Ten that are five and six. One of them is guaranteed to become eligible. The leads would be Indiana or Purdue. They play each other. The two remaining teams, Minnesota and um, Maryland, that are five and six. Maryland plays at Penn State, and um, Minnesota plays at Wisconsin. So that's a possibility there. It, it, it comes down to really, in my opinion, that you have, we have to hope that teams from the Big 12 and the Big 10, they do not get their max number because what's in the Mountain West favor is we have, we're going to have no less than, um, um, well, Utah State's already at 10 wins. Um, Fresno is most likely to win. I forget exactly who uh, Fresno's playing right offhand um, in their final game. I think it's um, San Jose. So let's just, for Glenn, say Fresno State's going to be 10 and 2 and playing in the championship game on the. And uh, the winner of Boise State and Utah State is going to be playing. So if Boise State wins, they'll be 10 and 2. Um, if Utah State wins, they'll be 11 and 1 playing a 10 and 2 team. But the Mountain West is going to have a minimum of two 10 plus win teams and potentially might end up having three teams all get the 10 wins. Um, that goes well for getting an at-large spot if there's not enough teams um, to go at-large. Because one of the NCAA rules, if I understand this correctly, I haven't seen anything to say the contrary, is that um, when all contracted bowl spots are filled and now we're going to put teams at large that do not have a contract into place, they cannot be placed over teams that are above 500. Well, the Mountain West, with um, Hawaii winning last week, um, will have um, more teams over 500 than what they have guaranteed bowl slots. And when you have three teams in you know, uh, Utah State may not have that much of a national um, TV following, per se, but Boise certainly does, and Fresno is no stranger to have been on the national um, stage in the past. And uh, all those teams are potentially rated, you know, if, if the Big 12 and the Big 10 do not fill their spots, those teams, in my opinion, will be very attractive for um, TV matchups as well. So, in a nutshell, what I'm saying is with a little bit of help, I'm going to hold out my hopes that um, Wyoming trickles down and finds itself uh, and at least maybe in the Arizona Bowl. Of course, I'm going to be selfish that way. It's 100 miles away down the road from me. But <laughs> that's our, our best bet is to hope for help from others because otherwise, if everybody wins that we don't want to have win and they fill most all of their bowl spots, then we stand the chance of like what happened with Joe Glenn sitting at home when another team goes to the Mountain West Bowl. Well, um, it's certainly intriguing. Uh, now, there are some people out there that are uh, more um, uh, skeptical than others. Uh, we discussed that a little bit earlier. But uh, if, you, if, if you take a look at what's transpired already this week, um, Miami of Ohio from the MAC um, became eligible. Um, I believe the MAC will have more teams eligible um, than what they have both slots. And they'll also be the other conference that will have more teams eligible um, than both spots with teams being above 500. Ah. Um, you'll also see um, on Thanksgiving evening, Mississippi State's going to be playing at Ole Miss. Ole Miss has to win that game to be eligible. 
If Mississippi State wins that game, then Ole Miss does not become eligible. Then the um, SEC has, you know, one less team to spread around the countryside to fill that large spot. You know, because let's be honest, uh, um, certain conferences that six and six are going to be selected for an at-large spot over other conferences with teams that are six and six. That's just the way the ball bounces. And in our case, I'm sure we'd like to think that a Mountain West team at six and six would be chosen over a Sunbelt or a Mid-America Conference team or a Conference USA at six and six. Yeah. Some of the dynamics of it come down to what's the bowl, what's the matchup, you know, potential ticket sales, travel, you know, tourist dollars and all that good stuff, too, so... Well, fortunately, Wyoming has a good reputation for travel. Um, we do uh, generally show up pretty well uh, for bowl games. So, um, and it doesn't hurt any to have had the number one NFL draft pick. No, so, man. Uh, you know, uh, not that that would be a real big factor, but it's not like the team name Wyoming is. Like, uh, you know, so. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's been it's been out in the news, so yeah, it's got a it's got a name recognition. Yeah, there's a there's a slew of games on um, Friday. Um, you'll see teams that could mean eligibility. Akron at four and six. Well, they're playing Ohio at Ohio, and then they got to go on the road to South Carolina. So I'm gonna scratch Akron off that list. You have Central Michigan playing at Toledo, Toledo 65. I'm going to say Toledo goes 75. Eastern Michigan at a 2 and 9 Kent State. I'm going to say Eastern Michigan ends up being at 75. Um, you have Coastal Carolina at 5 and 6 playing at South Alabama at 2 and 9. Uh, you know, hard to say the 5 and 6 team doesn't beat the 2 and 9 team, but hey, you know, it's possible. So. Yeah, but there could be a number of teams decided. And as you're all familiar, Jeff, in your own neighborhood, Virginia Tech, they purposely have a, a makeup game scheduled for December 1st in the event that they beat Virginia, and they are playing in Blacksburg. Yeah, that's so, <laughs> that is a big deal. There's a lot on the line, and that's why a lot of these prognosticators, they're not going to just jump off that line and immediately say, um, a Mountain West team just because they might be the first off the line with enough eligible people is going to take or teams is going to take precedence over any of these other conferences. But that's how big it is for somebody fighting to get into that last spot. Well, uh, we certainly can um, uh, hope. Uh, first of all, they got to beat New Mexico, so uh, they need to take care of that business, obviously, and. Uh, with uh, with the New Mexico game coming up, um, Ian, uh, how do you see um, uh, how do you see that in context of the season? I mean, sure, it's going to be six and six, but uh, is it going to be a failure if they lose that? Is the season going to be a total failure if they lose that game, or is it uh, a total success if they win? I don't look at it as the season of failure at all. Um, now, did they reach maybe preseason expectations by several of us? No, because we're here to try to win league championships. I know that's what Bowl wants to accomplish, but as Doug alluded to, the foundation of the program is looks so much better shape than in this part of uh, Bowl's tenure for some of our previous coaches. And to make a, bowl, a third Bowl in three years, Wyoming's never done that. I know a lot of fans like to say, well, the bowl system's a lot different, but I still think it's a big accomplishment, especially the way if they were to win the sixth game, that would be four wins in a row. I think also that indicates a lot about the program because I think character in a program is a big deal. I think the foundation of the program is in really good shape. Um, there's going to be a lot of re good returning players. Now we're going to lose a lot of players that are uh, players like Wingard and Granderson, some of those guys. And, Nico Evans really came out of nowhere, but we have a lot of younger players still in the program and for them to, after really a, a tough start to the season, be able to come back, win four games in a row, 
um, and do win the game the way they did last week, where it looked like the game was out of hand at one point, where Air Force could have put it away to show the character of this football team, losing your quarterback on the first possession of the game, losing your running back in the first possession of the game, and to be able to come back, uh, win that game, and, and, and finish with a four-game winning streak. Um, I would not look at the season as a failure. I would look as a way of the momentum is going to continue to keep going forward. Tracy, you're you're there on the ground, uh, right there in uh, the area. Uh, uh, how's the um, what's the attitude like uh, among the folks there in uh, the area about the Cowboys right now? Well, I, I think there's always going to be a... still with us. Did I lose you? I'm all lonely. Hmm. Boy, this is sucking today. I'm going to say that, uh, you know, when the season started, they're one game behind where I thought they'd be. When I looked at their schedule, when I looked at the fact that uh, three of their first four conference games were against what I thought were the three best teams in the conference, when I looked at their two non-conference games, the only game they've lost so far that, that I didn't think they'd lose was the one at Hawaii, which was a close game. They just they didn't finish it off like this should. So if they go six and six, um, they're one game behind where, where my expectation was for this team when it started. I don't think I can find fault with that with everything they've been through. But when I also look at the development and growth of some of the young players, and, and I really think that last week, was a heck of a game for the confidence to build on the part of uh, the part of Mr. Vanderwall, which gives us uh, an interesting quarterback situation going into next year. Two guys with a little bit different style that uh, mix and match as you as you want as you go along, and, and uh, both of them seem to have a much more of a focus on what do we have to do to win as opposed to what do I have to do to be a star. Yeah, that's a that's a unique thing, um, Vander. Vanderwall uh, uh, looked um, disjointed. Uh, of course, he had a tough, uh, tough go having to go against Missouri and and um, Washington State. Um, so you know, it had been a little tough on a on a young guy, but uh, he certainly did come back when we needed him, and uh, that bodes really, really well, uh, especially in spring ball. Uh, depending on when uh, Sean can come back. Uh, he may get a lot more reps in spring. Uh, so it's going to be interesting when we get to fall. I agree with you there. Um, the, um, oh, no, hang on. So, um, Doug, are you back with us? I see he came up on the, I see him on the board. So uh, let me ask you, uh, uh, Ian, what are you expecting uh, to see uh, against New Mexico? Well, I'm really uh, starting to feel good about the Cowboy rushing attack, even though Chambers is not in there. I just feel like the offensive line is starting to block a lot better. And we really started kind of seeing that against Colorado State. And they, I think they ran the ball fairly well against Utah State. They just didn't deliver on some touchdowns in that particular game. But I, you know, I think the passing game is opening up a little bit. So I do expect the Cowboys to be able to move the ball uh, pretty well on New Mexico, which was a little bit of a question mark a month ago, whether they can move the ball on anybody. So I think they're, I do think that running game will get going. Uh, again, there's maybe some questions with Nico Evans and whether he's going to be back and Bigelow, maybe Ringlesby or Casey can tell us a little bit about that. But I, I feel good defensively. I think the Cowboy defense will be really ready to go just because we've got those veterans on that defense. Um, now in New Mexico, it is a senior day for them. Uh, we know how that can be, a team coming, uh, you know, basically playing the last game. It's not been a very good year for New Mexico. But teams tend to play up a level during their senior day. So we've got to really be ready. But I think this particular Cowboy team, uh, is ready for this game and just based on what Bowl said and of course what Tracy uh, shared with us during the, the interview there in the locker rooms or the post game wherever that was 
um, this team looks like um, they're ready to go. Have we heard anything about Bigelow? Um, I guess he injured his ribs. Is that is that right? We'll just have to see what the rib, the seriousness of the ribs are. It uh, it's something much like Con or uh, much like Nico. It's going to be day to day with with those guys and just to see where they heal and and how they feel by that time. But I think this team feels pretty good about Valaday too. Oh yeah. Uh, also, particularly on fourth downs, he seems to have a, a magic touch. Um, but, but he's a he's a big, strong kid um, with some ability too. He's a he's a true freshman. So, you know, that, that's one of the things right now is is you look at a few guys come off the bench to fill in some holes who aren't just passing time until the end of the season. These are guys that uh, everything they go through right now, whether it's you know, whether it's uh, Vanderwall, you know, whether it's uh, Chambers, Valaday, Bigelow, these are all, all sophomore freshmen, type, all freshmen, you know, yeah. so it's it's all part of putting together an offense that, that's got a chance to be pretty good and, and has a chance to be a little more uh, open than it's been. I think you know, you're never going to see uh, one of those uh, Mike Leach offenses <laughs> with, with Bull. I mean, Bull's a, a coach who – who strong belief, and I think when Wyoming has had extended success back in in, in our days as a, as kids up in Cheyenne, um, you know Jeff, I think it's been defense. You know yep. that 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 team that went to the Sugar Bowl, it's defense because you don't get a lot of the flashy type guys wanting to come in to to Laramie, Wyoming. You get people who have points to prove, who who have a toughness to them, and who have a desire to prove people wrong. And a lot of time, most of the times. That's a defensive type guy. That's a guy that that plays for right now to uh, to prove something. Oh, I agree with you. I remember those defenses from the '60s. Uh, you know, top rated, top five, top you know uh, defenses that um, were really the core of those teams. And so I think we're going back to that. But we we did have a lot of offensive um, firepower as well. You know, Jim Kick and the. Um, uh, yeah, but look at the look at the statistical totals for those guys. They made big plays at big times, but you're talking five and six hundred yards rushing. You're not talking, you know, if you if you look at the uh, twelve, thirteen thousand yard rushing seasons these this this team's had, you don't have to go very far back in history to find them. It's uh, it's really been more uh, more of a recent time where the offense has been the focus. Yeah, that's true, uh, especially with uh, Christensen. Uh... Uh, he was uh, he was all fun and gun and not much defense. So <laughs> I guess we're getting back to the old school. And a lot of people, you know, you hear a lot of complaints about play calling. I mean, you just you know, Coach Vegan play calling and all that. Uh, I don't know. I, I I'm not as uh, concerned about that. I, how do you see that? Well, I think you call plays based off the type of offense you're trying to create and run. Um, I think when you have young guys, they're, they're trying to protect them. But I don't think you'll ever see this big, wide-open offense that just explodes and, and, and has flash and cash. That's not Bowles' way. The Bowl is a guy that the key with, with a team, if you've watched Craig Ball, if you watched him at North Dakota State, I saw him play in the championship game three years in a row, not knowing he was coming to Wyoming, but because it was how my grandson and I would spend a, a weekend every year, I would fly to Dallas and take him to that game. And his teams will score points, kind of like last year, if you remember, um, was it against New Mexico where they had like 35 points in the second quarter? Yeah, that was the and New Mexico were, game. They ended up with 42 at halftime. Yeah, the offense scored one touchdown. One touchdown belonged to the offense, right? Mm -hmm. the, other six, the other six were either scored by or created by the defense. That's his, his approach. Don't let the offense ever put you in a hole to create problems for the defense, let the defense keep knocking away and create opportunities for the offense. It's it's more about staying in command of the game, controlling the game. That's what you're going to have. It, you can say whatever you want about whoever the offensive coordinator is, the basic feeling for this team will be created by what, what Bowl wants, and that's how he's had his success. That's what he believes in. And you know what? I think that's probably the way you're going to have a chance to win. The run and gun and throw it up in the air, We've seen that tried a few times with Christensen. It didn't work real well. No, it didn't. Uh, we just didn't have, um, you know, we, we had some flash there, but, uh, boy, the defense would fold like a cheap tent. And uh, 
you, uh, you just couldn't outscore, uh, have the pace to outscore your uh, uh, opponent. At least with Bull, uh, you know, uh, he gets he gets three or four touchdowns. Got a pretty good chance he's going to win this, win the game. I mean, he had thirty five points this time. One of them was a. The last score was kind of a, um, uh, I won't say give me, but uh, it was kind of a surprise. But, uh, you know, uh, if they hadn't made that one, it would have been a real close game. But uh, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, I think another thing to keep in mind at the start of the year, a lot of fans, the fans just seem to get down on these teams uh, without really looking into a lot of the – but, you know, our offensive line was still finding itself. But, you know, it's a op- young offensive line that's starting to come along. And we're going to have a lot of offensive linemen returning next year. So I think that unit's really going to start flourishing in this game and going into next season for sure. And you have the, the freshman quarterback situation. Um, you know, there was more than just the play calling situation involved. And sometimes it's hard to explain this to people. All they see is they think it's all about the play calling. But there's a lot of other nuances that are happening, especially early in the season. We had some good competition. We were playing, too. <laughs> so it was a variety of different things. And now we're starting to see this this thing starting to get in a little bit of a stride now. So. Well, uh, I have kind of the fear, and it's, 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 it's a small fear, but it's, it's one concerning the fact that we're losing all these guys on defense. So I'm wondering uh, – Will we have a reverse situation where our offense has gotten good again and our defense will have a slump? Well, I see. Uh, well, they've got, they've got what, four starters that are seniors on defense. Yeah. They have seven starters who are juniors, sophomores, or freshmen. So, I, you know, I mean, are you going to miss a guy like Wingard? Of course you're going to miss Wingard. Epps has been a kid that's, uh, that's played his tail off in, uh, as a walk, but he has a walk-on. You know, who knew what was going to come out of him and all of a sudden – He's a three-time captain, voted by his teammates. You don't ever hear that with guys that are, are star players, much less a walk-on. You know, I mean, you, you get surprises out of things if you have a, a nucleus to have him around. But Logan Wilson keeps becoming more and more of a guy. He's he's not a senior. You know, you, you've, we we talk about the veteran defense, but like I said, there's only four seniors in the starting lineup in this on the depth chart, and I, I think that in itself speaks well for. Uh, the fact that they're starting to get the classes. I mean, there's only 16 seniors on the whole roster. So you're not going to lose that many guys. And you're just going to have some guys have to continue to develop and take a step up. Yeah, I agree with Tracy. I, I think when you look at the roster, especially with that defensive line, you got a lot of good young defensive linemen that are actually out there playing snaps. Where the Fane went down, Granderson was out of game. And we have these young players step in and actually perform really well. To, to this point. And then, of course, I think Garrett Carl is going to be a, a, ter- a tremendous defensive end if he isn't already a tremendous. And uh, Halliburton's been playing really well uh, in the secondary. He's been playing a lot of snaps, and he'll be able to step in at one of those safety spots. And, of course, we have uh, Hall, which has been playing, he's played well since he's been at Wyoming. And I also think they've got some young cornerbacks that are, could really emerge here in the next, next year. Now I'd, uh, I'm going to change the subject just a little bit here. I just it occurred to me, um, you know, the Afana Gafan uh, incident. You know, we've uh, they haven't said much about that. Uh, Tracy, it, uh, have you heard anything uh, concerning his case, or is it pretty much? Um, uh, they pretty much said uh, all along. I think the hearing was set for December fourth. Until that happens, there's not really much uh, to be said or done. I mean, it, it's a situ- it's a legal situation. I think from the university standpoint, they don't they know they can't afford to get involved in the middle of that. They'll just have to let it play out and, and see what happens. But uh, you know, it, as opposed to a lot of places, they were proactive when the incident happened. They said uh, we've we've got to take make a move and and uh, and take him out of the limelight in this and see what goes on. I know from talking to a few of the players on Monday, he's still around. Um, he's he's upbeat. And, uh, and we'll just see. But it's, you know, it's, it's a situation that really nobody on the staff, nobody at the University of Wyoming has any control over. It's, it's in the courts in, in Colorado. Um, and, and he and his attorney will have to deal with it. Hmm. Well, I tell you, that was an unfortunate thing, especially uh, on the eve of the um, CSU game. But they stepped up. 
they uh, filled his shoes pretty well. So I really hope for he's a uh, is he a junior? Junior. Yeah, he's he's a junior. He seems to be a you know a great kid. He's he's wonderful. Like at the scrimmages and stuff with the young kids that are around. Um, wants to be a school teacher too. So. We'll see what, how much he messed his life up. I mean, I, I know that what, one's a third degree misdemeanor and the other's a second degree misdemeanor. I don't know what that means. I don't know enough about the legal system, but I guess that's a whole lot better than being a felony, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, um, uh, it's, I get the sense, and I'm no lawyer, so don't, 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 uh, I get the I sense that. that yeah. <laughs> 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 my, um, my, my daughter thinks she's a lawyer, but uh, that's not my, uh, I don't know how she got that. But anyway, um, uh, my sense of it is, you know, from my reporting days that uh, this is more than a it's more than a um, a, a traffic ticket, you know, or jaywalking fine. But it's not like you said, a felony uh, with a lot of heavy uh, possible uh, uh, prison uh, attached to it. So, um it just depends, I guess, how the legal system handles him. You know, he, he might uh, he might get a suspended sentence. He might have to do community, uh, what community uh, work, whatever you service. call it, service, community service. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So uh, hopefully he can recover from this and uh, he can come back for one more year. Now you guys keep talking about. Uh, I noticed that you always ask the reporters are asked about Cordon. Is that the guy's name? The one that's been injured all year. Uh, C.J. Colden. The Colden. Colden. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, is he? Why haven't they just said, "Okay, we're going to re- redshirt him this year"? Uh, well, I mean, I think they're at the point where he's redshirted, even if he plays. You know, I just, but I, and, and so I think you just leave it open. I mean, he's not going to play four games this. Year. He's not going to play five games this year. Yeah, he got hurt. I think it was in the Missouri game when he got the stinger, and uh, you know it, when he when they get asked about it, they they answer. But uh, that that's where they are. Yeah, I, it just uh, it just seems like it's 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 been kind of maybe it's too obvious for me. <laughs> I think it is that uh, he's out for the year. I mean, you know, we keep asking about him, but. Uh, they just don't say he's out for the year. He's he's almost there, or he's kind of there, or I don't know. Uh, well, until until the definitive statements made that he can't play, you know, every week they just kind of wait to see what happens, and and uh, that that final decision isn't made until Saturday. So you so you wait to see. And the other guy is C.J. Johnson, the wide receiver, which is bounced. I think he's bounced back from knee injury, right, Tracy? Could he be ready to go, or are they just kind of waiting to save him for next year? You know, he's still not on the depth chart at all. So, I mean, for the depth chart that was handed out Monday, he is he's still not listed. So, I would say that um, he's probably still out. So maybe a medical red shirt for him because I don't. I think he redshirted his freshman year. So, do you think they can give him a medical red shirt? <laughs> yeah, I think they they would to work towards that. I mean. His dad's another one of those guys like Vanderwall's dad played at Nebraska when Bowl was there. So there's a, there's a relationship and an understanding between you know both sides of uh, of what it, what needs to be done properly, and I, and I'm sure they'll do it. Yeah, I didn't realize Vanderwall's dad played at Nebraska. That's really cool. Um, yeah, that we got a real yeah, we've got a really good Nebraska connection going there, um, which uh, especially if we can get him out of that wet. Western end of Nebraska, uh, I tell you that's a that's a really good for us, uh, gentlemen. I think we've covered this pretty well. We know that uh, we're going to go against New Mexico. We uh, uh, oh, I wanted to ask about the Air Force game. I wanted to back up just a little bit. Um, Air Force games are uh, <clears throat> always seem to be exciting. It's very rare that uh, we'll get a blowout by either team. Uh, in those games uh i wanted to go around uh tracy what how would you rate this one air force game as one of the top 10 air force games ever or was it uh, just a typical air force game no i think it was one of the better ones i think there's a lot of legitimate i don't know if it's hatred but definite dislike i think i think the personal dislike is probably stronger towards air force 
than any other team they play. I think CSU is a, is a dislike because it's a rival. But I think with, I mean, if you look at the video, just look at the shot that the uh, wide receiver from Air Force put on Wingard after he kneeled down with that interception at the end of the game. The officials don't call it. They call one chop block the entire game. But Air Force plays a, a chippy, cheap, illegal defense, and everyone lets them get away with it. And uh, they, have a, they have this arrogance about them that because they're in the Air Force Academy, everybody else is secondary. And then they whine about everything. They whine about the fact they can't get junior college transfers. Well, what do you think a, a kid that goes to the uh, prep school who spends two years in a prep school? You know what? That's that's even more than a junior college because you got them under your control watching what they're doing when they develop. And then the other day, uh, their wonderful coach, who even Joe Glenn didn't like, was complaining <laughs> that Wyoming had too nice of facilities and it wasn't fair to see a school have that kind of money. Well, you know what the money Wyoming has is raised because their fans care about them. The money that Air Force has is stolen out of our taxes. So I get tired of listening to the Air Force crap, and I think the players do too. Did you, you get my feel on that? Uh, yeah, I'm feeling it, man. I'm feeling it. Well, you know, it's always been a, a hell of a game. and uh, But, yeah, I, I wonder if somebody would ever do a study about injuries against Air Force. Because it, uh, we sure sustained a couple of bad ones uh, this game. I mean, uh, with uh, Sean Chambers having a broken leg, and um, uh, Nico Evans uh, was his a knee, a knee problem? No, sprained ankle. But you know, what? I don't think either one of those. Amazingly enough, I don't think either one of those were really uh, cheap shots. I mean, Sean went into the middle of the line and got pushed back and it bent. I mean it. It, it's sad, and I, and I don't think Nico was. I mean, I, after my previous rant, you should know I'm not defending them. <laughs> okay. But I don't think on either one of those you can look at it and say that, that was that was a bad play. But you do have a lot of soreness and aches and pains from some of it. You saw a cheap shot last year was thrown on Josh at Air Force Academy, um, but but uh, you know that's just their style, and they get away with it because every everybody's afraid of them and. You know, I have ultimate respect for the military, but that doesn't mean that I have the respect that, that I feel they deserve at a college level. They're not in the military yet. They're getting a free education. And I, I don't think that they necessarily have the right to uh, to take advantage of the situation and to, and to go out and, and, and try to intentionally hurt people on a football field. Well, you know, uh, Fisher DeBerry, I don't remember his teams being like that. So, uh, what you're saying? Well, they have a history. They have a history of great coaches who were, were well, very well liked universally, right? Right. Until the until the current guy came in. I mean, whether it's Hatfield or whether it's Fisher or whether it was Ben Martin, maybe one of the most respected guys to ever coach. Yeah. Um, you know, Air Force had that tradition, but uh, it's it's gotten lost now. Well, the uh, they even had. Um... Didn't uh, Bill Parcells coach them, what, one or two years? Might have been the original guy. Yeah, I think Parcells was there a very short stint of Air Force. He was in there for that for a long time. He mm -hmm. actually ended up moving to Denver and selling insurance or real estate for a while. He got unit back in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, they uh, – uh, oh, yeah, they've had a lot of great coaches. It's just a shame that um, uh, the, the current – uh, regime has allowed them to um, to lose to that, but well, whatever. I tell you, gentlemen, it's uh, it's getting a little late here in the East Coast, so I think I'm going to um, I'm going to go over and you know what I do at this time of time of day. there you have it another cowboy roundtable uh i want to thank you for joining us uh tracy uh, i know we've been asking you all year long and you finally uh, got through your baseball season and had some time for us we uh we really appreciate that uh oh, no problem it's fun to do that probably irritated somebody i'm sure well you know uh, if you if you're not irritating somebody you're just not living i guess uh uh Ian, um, you're going to go to the basketball game tomorrow? 
Oh, wait a minute. Is it, yeah. Is there a basketball game tomorrow? In Florida. My friend, it's a tip-off classic. Uh, oh, okay. Richmond. That's out in Florida right now. So it's the second game of the, the tournament for the Cowboys. So I'm watching it on TV. It's on Fox Sports one tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Gentlemen, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's take this on out here and uh, do it the right way. Let's try that again. Uh, I messed it up. Tell you what, I'm just not having a good day today. <laughs> let's try it again. All right, gentlemen, let's take it out of here. So there you have it. Cowboy Roundtable number 11 for year 2018. I'm your host, Jeff Fry. And uh, we may be back if the Cowboys prevail. And if they don't, uh, we'll see you next year. Cowboy Roundtable is a production of Jackalope Ridge Media, LLC, in cooperation with the University of Wyoming and Learfield Sports. We want to thank them for letting us use their play-by-play. All rights reserved.